Welcome to the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. We make the web do more and powered by Grandon Graphics. Delighted to be joined on the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast by former Borough Man and now Radcliffe Borough Manager Lee Fowler. How are we doing today, Lee? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Getting there, getting there. You've got your electrician in there, haven't you, today? Cracking on with some work. Yeah, I've got the electrician there now, and I think the, the roof is coming in a minute, so uh, just let me miss it to deal with it, I think. There'll be a few interruptions then, but I'm sure we'll, we'll crack on, we'll manage, won't we? Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you coming on. Obviously, uh, a lot of readers might not be aware of the Under the Cosh podcast, but I was listening to, to your podcast the other week, your episode you've done with the lads, John Parkin and Co., and then, funnily enough, you tweeted me the next day just about something else, and 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 here we are. So I appreciate you coming on. It's nah, good to have you on. Yeah, now nah, you're welcome. As I said, it's, it helps you, helps helps uh, talk, and it's talking about football as well in life. So it's it's good to to talk, especially in the situation we're in now. Anyway, as well, you know, people yeah. stuck in their own house with the same people, and it's good to see a, a new face and a new voice. Yeah, it kills a bit of time, doesn't it? Let's chat about football for a bit, reminisce about some some good times and some well, some not so good times. But um, yeah, we'll just touch on the season because obviously we've been been Radcliffe boss now, and and obviously the season it looks like it's going to be declared null and void. But it seems like we're taking forever to get to that to that point, aren't we? What, what's your take on it? Um, I think it is going to be null and void. It has to be null and void, um, especially for our our level. Um, I think they sort of extending the date possibly to to fall in line with the furlough scheme um also to wait for Boris Johnson which you know there's a statement out today saying they're going to wait to the 22nd of February which every knows what's going to happen is is near enough impossible to a to complete the season b to get your players you know I don't I see all these managers yeah my boys are ready and you're fit and it's not going to be feasible because you for, for the lads to have two weeks training to come back and then play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, or Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, is impossible. So, um, you know, I've seen all less, less add last season's results into this season's results. And throughout the pyramid system, the people who are actually saying this are the ones who are going to benefit from it. Yeah. South um, Shields. Yeah. South Shields, you know, they're having all these... Um, Carry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's all right, not a problem. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know the South Shields one. You know they 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 wanted everybody to put a GoFunding page, so they got promoted. Then the chairman's coming out and saying, "Well, this season and last season, there is no last season. It's been no. exposed, and yeah. you can't you can't get results from last season." Um, last season was a bit different for me. I think because of the so many games are completed, I would have been more comfortable with a points per game on that purely because over 70% of the games have been played. Yeah. Whereas this time round, I think we are played the most on nine. Um, I don't see how you can do last season and this and, and then say, well, we'll wait until, you know, wait until something happens and we'll continue the season. And I just feel, um, you know, especially the stuff which has gone on above us in terms of step one and step two. Mm-hmm. Um, in a realistic world, you, I think there has been a play on words with the grant and the loans. I, I don't particularly think there was ever concrete evidence saying it was a, a grant. Um, I do believe the DCMS and the government thought fans would be back in yeah. now. And I think that's what they gambled on. And I think that's where the play of words have come in. Um, ideally, you'd want to see a promotion from 
step three to step two and step two to step one. But ultimately, you need to keep the link between the EFL and, and the, the step one. Mm. That's, the main, that's the main player because we, if we lose that link between the EFL and the, the National League, then we, we do become detached from the reality of football. And yeah. unfortunately, mate, as I said the other day, I think football non-leagues turning into the total recall, like the film. Um, <laughs> and that's what I say it is. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Everybody's doing their own thing. Um, instead of everybody being together and right, this is what it was, regardless if we get promoted, relegated, stay in null and void, we all come as a one, we'll, we'll be seen as more of a powerful unit rather than South Shields now a ninth in our league who all of a sudden want to be promoted from last season results and it, it makes it a bit of a, a, a laughing stock really for me. That's, that's my view on that decision. Yeah. Um, Scarab Athletic Manager Darren Kelly has been very vocal on the fact that this this level of football has just been completely forgotten about. They've almost washed their hands of us until this kind of a couple of weeks ago. There's some grants announced, wasn't there? But it just seems like it's, it's it's very late in the day, and it's just been kind of forgotten about, hasn't it? Really. Well, as I said to my chairman the other day, I generally do feel sorry <coughs> for FC United, Scarborough, um, South Shields, the rest of the clubs. Really, unless I'm missing out another really big fan base and supported club. The rest of us, I possibly could have continued at a rate where it wasn't detrimental to the football clubs, yeah, the demise of them and yeah. fall away. I think because of the crowds and the revenue. And listen, don't get me wrong, that, that's not to say there's clubs at this level who have a fan base of 200, 300 who are paying six, seven grand a week, which we know they are. Yeah. Um, but that's their fault. That's not Scarborough's fault. That's not FC United, who carry that big fan base, who they physically have got a budget to match their their fan base. And I do feel sorry for them teams. I really do. Um, yeah. If to ask that stature of club to compensate the loss of revenue from footfall and extra spend and beer and programmes and uh, merchandise, it is, it's, from, it's too much, mate. It's yeah. Just touch on your role and what it entails at the moment then. So I speak to Darren Kelly most weeks and, and it's just on hold. Everything's on hold at the moment. He's, I know he's making decisions in the back of his mind for next season, but he's not kind of going out there. And I know you mentioned you've released a few players. So just touch on what your role is sort of entailing. And are you the same as Darren? Are you looking to next season now? Yeah, 100%. I think with me, is you have to. I think if you, if you stagnate and stand still, I'm, I'm, I think you'll, what you should be doing now, I think every manager will tell you that. But deep down, they already know what they're going to do. Darren, Darren is quite an articulate man, and you know I've come, I've spoke with him after the game when you beat us three one last year. Um, and he, he'll be listen. He's playing the media game. He'll know exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly who he wants to keep. He'll know exactly like um, what he got wrong, what he's doing right, what he needs to bring in, what this needs to happen, A, B, C, and D. And that's what if you if which I understand reading and now how he is he'd be exactly like me. Now I'm yeah. ready to do everything I need to do. If the decision today, I'd act tomorrow um, in terms of recruitment, in terms of uh, releasing more players, in terms of bringing staff in. Um, you know, from my point of view, I'm, I'm at loads of games. Um, I've been at 20 odd games now in the last two months. Right. From, from League Two to Conference North until they stopped. Then I was going back in to scout for other teams and other, other clubs really use me as a, um, I, not as, I would say expertise it, they use me to go and watch games to give them the information they need they can't do and it keeps me at games and it keeps me active now you know, these they are hard tickets to get by but 
ultimately I don't see many of the managers doing what I'm doing. So I'm ahead of the game in terms of, you know, to keep progressing, keep getting that networking in terms of, you know, is he available? Can I get him? Um, plenty of Zoom calls. Uh, you know, we had one last night with the chairman and the coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, purely just to really nail down the, the out, not the actual first team structure, but the, the development program around it in terms of how do we do things? You know, we've got a period now of time to, to build a football club even more so and the links between that and uh, just keep dialoguing really with, with the powers that be and just keep growing forward. Yeah, definitely. Before we delve back into your, obviously your time at Scarborough and then more broadly on your career as a whole, just maybe look forward just a touch and, and your ambitions as a coach, as a manager, um, how you got into management. I had a quick look on your Wikipedia um, and obviously you were in an eating for, for two weeks, I believe that said, and then Ilkeston and Bradford Park Avenue before before yeah. going into Radcliffe. So just touch on how he, did you always want to be a coach, a manager and, and your ambitions, how far do you believe you, you can go and want to go in I think, management? I think as a player, I was always been captain every football club I've been at. So initially, I don't think I was, I didn't, when I was say, for example, when I was at Scarborough, I didn't think I'd be a coach or a manager. But when you look back and you think, well, I've been a captain every football club, I've always been involved in decisions and understanding football, watching football, other games and, it was a route really which was already there without me thinking about going into. Um, I took two years away to go and work for Timpsons, which, you know, I apologise if I made any shoes for you or pet any shoes for you. Um, I don't think they were great. Uh, but it gave me that break away from football. Um, and then my brother was at Tamworth. He was struggling at the time with trust and uh, they were losing games. And, you know, as, as I say, a, a brotherly love or a family love, it come, I haven't got any other hidden interest other than a spade's a spade. Now, you know, I, I, they weren't good enough. I told them they weren't good enough. Um, and that let me into my first coaching. I was doing TNS and the 11s. Um, the kids wasn't for me. Um, you know, the, the way you want to talk to players, the, the, you know, the, the, advanced tech, the advanced mindset that you want to do, you have to dumb down to work with yeah. the kids. Um, whereas if you come into an elite setup or a non-league, They'll understand it. So you, you rather than you dumb it down completely, you have to dumb it down, maybe fifty percent with the non-league. Yeah. Um, you know they've been at work all day. They're, yeah. they're tired. They've been in the car. So you can't be going in with all this detail because they just switch off and be bored. You've lost the group. You ain't going to win any games. Mm. Which I think what happened at Tamworth previously. I got in. Um, then my mate, the chairman, he sort of um, he owned Nuneaton. You know, I was saying, give me the job. He was, oh, you, you know, you're only thirty-two. Uh, so I went in as a number two with Nicky Egan and the day we signed, my mate left Lee Thorne and it was just a shambles, mate. It was, uh, there was no heating, no training grounds, no wages. Um, the lads were being forced to do things they shouldn't have been doing. So the PFA were involved. Uh, we were getting chucked off training grounds. We were paid in cash. We were then owned by another football league owner who didn't actually was allowed to own the football club who didn't sign it. As I say, it was very complicated mm. to be in. Um, Nicky Eden got sacked. Uh, I didn't have nothing to go to. I had a conversation with Nicky Eden. I was like, listen, I need the money to stay on. They've asked me to be the manager. I lasted two weeks and I thought, I can't do it. I was being told what to do, who to sign. They, I think they thought I was going to be a puppet on a string. Right. Which then led me into going into Ilkston. Um, brilliant club. Obviously won my first title there um, you know 
scored 15 goals in the last two games to win the, the, the league. And then again, it happened to me again. Alan Hardy uh, came in and was trying to reduce my role from a manager to a head coach so he could sign the players and I coached them. Um, refused to pay my money, which I was owed in terms of uh, promotion bonuses and increased in wages. And I just said, listen, thank you very much. Wish you all the best. I got a lo- the PFA lawyer to write me a, a lovely letter. Got me money and, and, and walked away. And you know, I went into Bradford Park Avenue as a consultant with Marcus Law. Um, again, another club which was doomed from the start. Uh, lads were on contracts, 23 players, up ranging from £50 a week. Why you'd sign a contract for £50 a week is beyond me. Mm. Um, by the time you're taxed for national insurance, you're probably on 40 quid anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. Uh, we lasted a month there. Um, we, we, we reduced the budget and gave Bowers and um, the number two there the best possible chance of staying up, which the budget they had, mate, was 2000, 2002, which in the Conference North, mate, is, is embarrassing. Like it's, no, is it? no there's, there's teams in our league which are paying eight, nine grand a week. Um, and then I took away and then uh, my agent rang me. I had the interview for the Macclesfield job when they were in the Football League. I got down to the last two in that and I thought I, I, thought I interviewed well, but obviously... They chose to go with Mark Kennedy. Okay. Um, and then what I've done then is the Ratcliffe opportunity come up. I was out networking with games and watching loads of levels. Of, I pinpointed a, an, a, um, a step which I believed that I could go in to go in managing. And the Ratcliffe job actually come up when I was actually around them games. And it looks at me outside in that I was there waiting for it, which it wasn't the case. Frank mm. actually invited me in. So come and watch our games. I met the owner and they offered me the job. Right. And how have you found it so far then? Have you enjoyed the role there? Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been frustrating for me because I've been here 12 months. I've had 12 games. <laughs> uh, the first six weeks, I first six weeks I had a, the weather. So the, the six weeks of weather called off. Then my first game was obviously Scarborough away. And remember, I don't know if you remember, the weather that day was, it was snowing. It was yeah. snowing reason we lost 3-1 which I knew we were going to lose that's the reason I played the way I did I, I chose an attacking team against the 3-5-2 I put three strikers up against them um, and we could have actually drew the game in the last sort of um, last two minutes I think we had two chances to make it free all and yeah I think had, I remember that one yeah, I was there yeah but as I said Darren seemed beat us comfortably and um, but then then the first lockdown happened we so we kills you you get back in for some the second lockdown and the third lockdown and then it's just been one thing after another. Mate. I've never had a, a chance to fully get my team going. And I think we were just getting that towards we finished this time, the, being one of the best footballing teams in the league. Um, the style of play, we just we missed out on a few centre-halves, which didn't make us secure, but not many teams fancy playing us this season. No, I was about to say, and obviously it's really, really hard to say, given you only played nine games. What was the aim for this season, and how far do you think you could have taken the team? I think if if you look, uh, you know, we've we've had meetings, reflections, um, and we've had meetings and reflections in terms of like what we got wrong and what we got right. I think the way we were, I think if we would have kept the team we had, we would have probably finished between mid-table and just outside the playoffs. Um, ultimately, you know. We have a budget with the chairman last night, and realistically, you're probably looking at playoffs, playoffs as a as a club to get into it initially. Um, 
But as you say, look at Mikelova, they've had a fantastic start to the season. Do I think they would have maintained it? I don't believe they would have. I think the other teams with the budgets and the league would have settled itself out. And I think other teams would have caught themselves up, and especially your Buxtons, your South Shields, uh, your Scarboroughs, maybe not as much as the other two, but they would have they would have sort of gone and improved again to catch them up. It's a hell of a strong league, and you add Warrington into that mix as well, don't you? And you've got even like I cover Whitby Town as well as Scarborough. Whitby and Scarborough are strong. It's a strong division. It is a strong division, mate. Like we played Whitby, we were we drew them three all. We we battered Warrens and they beat us two one. They didn't touch the ball for ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, you know we. <clears throat> it is like you look at Whitton Albion now when they signed Steve Nolte, who, who's propelled them up to the, the top half of the league, which they should never be in in terms of if you're talking in reality in terms of budget and stuff like that. Um, it is a strong league, and, and that's what I was sitting to the chairman yesterday. Every team will fancy beating every team. Regardless if you're Hyde United who's, and Bamber Bridge and Atherton Coles, who's probably got the lowest budget in the league, they'll still fancy them chances of beating South Shields because I generally believe, I think it was us and Hyde who we beat South Shields 3-1. Hyde drew with them on two all or, or one all, I'm not sure what it was. But then all of a sudden these teams are going, well, South Shields aren't as good as what people say they are. Um, and, and I said before we played them, most managers are beat before they play South Shields. Yeah. Um, if you're a manager and you're telling everybody in the whole world on your media, yeah. this team's brilliant, they're full-time, they rotate, and their manager's brilliant, the players are the best. What message is that, is that saying to your own fans and your own players? You, you're killing yourselves mentally. Before you get there, you're beat. Yeah. Uh, and w- the way we do things is we respect every team. We give them their due. We watch every team. We break them down. We just concentrate on us and we, we just say we're better. We may not be better, but that's the mentality we, we go in with and that's what other teams should do. Yeah, just putting you on the spot here, obviously, with this being a Scarborough podcast, but what was he obviously played against Darren Kelly's side to what was obviously changes and bits and pieces, but where would you envisage them being in the picture and, and do you see them as kind of promotion candidates? Yeah, I think they would. I think Daz is a very good coach, manager. Um, they got a good player. I remember when we played you last season, the two midfielders, I think it was Glyn. And Watson. And Watson, mate. They were like, you're half like... Because last season was more difficult for me because I, I wanted the season to end. So I yeah. through. So I'm watching teams thinking, well, but yeah, but he's good. Like, he, but those two midfielders stood out for me. Um, obviously, Kulo brings you the experience in the ten. You know his legs are not what he used to be. Um, he's a freak. He's running like marathons. He's just, you see his Strava, mate. He's mad. Yeah, I think no distance-wise, you'll always be the yeah. same. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kulo was always fit as a kid, and he was always fit there. But he hasn't got that. That's Fights yeah. at a pace now, but yeah. as I said, the fitness wise, he could play yeah, yeah. brilliant. And you know, obviously, Cartman signing in, and um, you know, I probably would say watching them, they you know, realistically, maybe at the back. Now, I know they've signed, signed Will now, have they? Will Thornton came in, yeah, I think he played like a couple of games before it went down. Obviously, they had Kieran Willedgy sign in from Whitby, but he got injured 20 minutes into his debut, so he's. He was missing, um, and yeah, they've got a few other defenders. The goalkeeper was a bit of an issue because obviously Taylor went to Buxton, Buxton yeah, um, and they had Whitley on loan from York. And then I think it's every team or so stop start, it's impossible to say, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, as I said, I think they will be up there, mate. We I put them down as a top six team, yeah, and top six team for me, where you're competing with your Buxtons, uh, your Warringtons are always going to stay up and around their cards, as a wise old fox. and 
you know, his ex-teammate of mine, he gets his teams going. But yeah, man, it's, 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 it was good to actually go back and see the, the club as it is now to what I remember it was when I lived there. And it was, uh, it was completely different. Because if I'm, if I'm right, where the, I don't know if it's, where it is now, is it close to where the McCain Stadium is? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's about a five minute walk. It's now, an, it's now a little, the stadium, which is tragic because it was such a good ground for the level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously the club went bust. I think it was the year after you were there. It was the year I was there. I left in that summer. Yeah, um, absolutely terrible. Um, and obviously the club reformed. Had to play in Bridlington, which is 30 minutes away for years. And they've really pushed on since they came back and they're getting good numbers and good crowds. And you see kids wearing Scarborough shirts now, whereas you never used to. So they're, they're hopefully building towards yeah. building towards something decent. But um, no, we obviously want to look back at your time at the club. Jimmy <laughs> My first, one of my first podcasts was with Jimmy Beadle and he mentioned you in it. Um, so we might start with that one, actually. Um, yeah, he, he touched on you and he said, he's got in touch and said, asking him about Daz's doorstep challenge. And he said, great bloke fouls, unbelievable talent. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so... Long <laughs> as you said, mate, yeah. When I, when I come to Scarborough, it was a bit of... Um, it's a, first of all, I apologise to the fans because ultimately what I was doing off the field wasn't great and it, it wasn't to show any disrespect to the club. It's just where I was in my personal life at that time. And, you know, when you're living in the house with eight lads, it only takes one of them to say, well, do you want to fancy a beer? Yeah, I'll have a beer. And then all of a day, it's like every other day then. And it, it, so I apologise to that first and foremost. But yeah, the Daz Doorstep Challenge, mate, was um, you've obviously seen it, what they do. I was drunk one day and, you know, I was lucky really that the police didn't get involved and it involved me with no clothes on. So, um, yeah, it wasn't me, me finest of um, bits of banter, but I did it. Um, as I said, Beads was, a, I think he was a young kid, him and Cooler, when we come through. Um, and yeah, they probably seen things that they shouldn't have seen. Um, and as I said, that group, mate, it was a bit weird, really, that, you know, Redders was his first job. He was inexperienced. Uh, there was a car school from Sheffield, which was causing a lot of issues, really. Um, and it was split car school, really, because you had, like, Weaver and... Um, I don't know who the other lad was. There was a couple of good lads in there, and there was a couple of bad lads in there. And um, there was sort of frictions between the whole change room, between Quayley and them and Babo and them. And then I used to stay in the middle until it got quite heated. Then I'd join in and... It was a fractured club, really, at that particular time. Yeah. Is that kind of um, almost a victim of the environment that people were in? I mean, the club was skin, they were struggling, they were free-falling almost. Yeah, I just, I just think there was, it was the wrong... Like, now I'm manager and I look at that change room, I just think it was, it was wholly wrong. Like, it was... You could see there was clicks everywhere and, you know, you had the car school from one, you had the lads who lived locally, then you had the house who together, then you had the young lads and it... it, it Listen, they tried, but it wasn't good enough. It was simple as that. Yeah. The team wasn't good enough. Yeah. You know, there's hardly... wanna... Sorry, carry on. No, I was just going to say, there's hardly any players in that team who you'd say, do you know what, I'd sign him for another club. Yeah, yeah. Even Tony Hackworth, like, listen, I know he had a great career. Well, great career, he didn't have a great career. he done well at Leeds um, and playing in the Champions League. That's his USP as a player. Mm. But ultimately, when you go back through and you think, you know, Quayley scored loads of goals for Scarborough. You had Chris Senior who went from there and scored goals. And you wouldn't put Hackey up in the top in there. You wouldn't put 
you know, there's lots of players who played in that team you would never even dream of putting in your top tens. And I include that in myself as well, by the way, because, you know, I, I, I think I started off great in the first six games. I think I scored four goals in six games, whatever the now was a disgrace. So, and that's including myself in them. Just want to touch, I just typed out a couple of quotes and this might not be word for word, so you can correct me, but this is from the Under the Cosh podcast. And this wasn't just your time at Scarborough you were talking about. You were talking about that period. And I think you probably remember what you were talking about here, but you said these things in regards to that period. I think Chris Brown had asked you about your period from Scarborough through to Kettering or something like that. And you, these comments you came out with. One, I wouldn't have signed me. Yeah. Two, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Three, I was lost for five years. Yeah. And for the strongest one, I was a shambles. So I think people need to be aware of that when they think of your time at Scarborough. Like Jimmy Beadle said, you were an unbelievably talented player, but your first foray into non-league kind of... I imagine it was difficult for you as well. Yeah, as I said, the ability never changes. So I'm 37 now, I'm about 15 stone. I can still do the same stuff as I did when I was 15 or 14. The ability, and people will be like, fuck you, oh, you can still play or, do you know what I mean? That will never change. So when I could, you know, I could turn up drunk and still be the best player at that, that football club. Mm. I could still be drunk and still be the best player in League One now. Um, but ultimately, the way I was and my mindset was, I was done, I think I was done 18, 19. So anything between 18 and 27, you know, all these people who say, oh, Fowles is brilliant, like unbelievable. It annoys me in a way that they see me so highly when I was at my worst. Mm. And when, when you look at it from the other way, from 27 to 32, when I sort of got my head back into and loved there and, you know, then I'm playing from 27 to 32 where I'm, I'm, I'm playing as if I was like I was a Coventry. So all these people who played with me have played with the worst version of Lee Fowler, but yet they still see me as a good player or a talented player. Which yeah. me, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was drunk half the time. Or I was like, my mind would be in one place and then training was like a freedom thing. But as I said, mate, it, I do... Scarborough was the worst, I think, in terms of that was my worst time. It was my worst right. time. Yeah, it was my worst time in terms of it was every day, relentless, constantly, every day. And then we, I got divorced in that summer. I went to Burton. Um, then I went back home. And yeah, that, it, it was a bad time, to be fair, um, which no one would have known. Like, you know what I mean? No one, not even the manager. Do you think, was it, was it, was it part of it going into non-league the first time you played non-league or was it before that you'd already kind of started to... Before that, it was probably just when I left Coventry. Um, I had a big, big few things happen at Coventry and core cases and bits and bobs and um, I'd gone from being on the bench in the Premier League to playing in the Championship then all of a sudden going to Huddersfield and maybe without me actually knowing it, I knew it was declining. Um, you know, I knew my relationship off the field and my wife was done. Um, then the one thing really that I loved more than anything was football. That was going down. And, you know, I always knew I'd get a football club and good money because of my talent. But the longevity of it, it wasn't there. And, and as soon as I did, wasn't playing, it's the only thing that kept me happy. Now, it's, if I'm playing, I'm happy, it's great. But if you're a manager managing me, you're thinking, well, hang on, he can only play. He has moments of brilliance, but he doesn't do it over a period, sustained period of time. So mm. then I end up on the bench, give it five or six games, right, I want to leave, keep the money, I want to go and play football. The same scenario, keep happening and happening and happening. Um, 
and that's that's where my mindset was really. And you know, people say you're embarrassed by playing for 27 football clubs. No, I'm not. I'm not not embarrassed because without me playing there, I wouldn't be here with you now talking probably now about this to you. Mm, no, exactly. Do Do you think there's anything that the likes of Neil Redfern and the coaching staff could have done to help you more at the time, or were you just literally, were you like you say, were you lost and there was no helping you? I, I didn't know myself at the time. Do you know what I mean? So I, what I'm saying to you now is is hindsight, experience, and you know. I would I would see the signs now, but then like you you just don't know like you know I remember speaking to somebody and like I oh, just forget about it have a drink you know we'll, we'll talk about it later on and um, that was Terry Oroff like so these old school managers are oblivious to to what is happening now in the current football and that's why um, football's changed so much like you know when we grew up you could get away with certain things and words and you know the drinking cultures and the cultures that follow with it but ultimately now you have to see that you know you're looking at players when they're walking in and you know was he down is you know he's a bit quiet he hasn't been engaging and you've got it's not just the football things now you have to watch him when people walk through the door yeah exactly and you touched on that in your under the cost didn't you, you mentioned like you said at Huddersfield when you, you you kind of did try to say look I'm struggling a bit and you were on like you said I think you were almost laughed at were you well that's the thing yeah it felt I was like it, it, in fact I'll tell you the exact story I was at Chester races um, we went, we won promotion. Peter Jackson, who loved the drink, and so did Teddy Oroff. And it was, that's to say, the drinking culture was there even at them levels. And um, I remember, I remember we just got to the hotel, and I'd, I'd pulled him before it, before even we've had, we've had a big drink. Do you know what I mean? And it was like, come on, we're going to have a drink. And do you know what I mean? It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't took serious. Yeah. And the next day, I actually got a phone call from the manager releasing me, saying I'm a free transfer. And once you sober up and the years you get over later on, you're like, I wonder if that had anything to do with the conversation I had with him before the race. Because I didn't speak to anyone before that. I didn't have got no trouble. I didn't do anything bad. You know, we had a great time. We're on the coach back. And so nothing happened other than that conversation. Now, maybe they didn't want to deal with that. I'm not sure. Maybe they saw it as a weakness at that particular time. Because now you'd say you'd, you'd help the player out, wouldn't you? And, but maybe they saw that as a as a weakness, and from the outside looking, at it, it does sound like he's gone and spoke to the Jackson, and then they've decided that that might be a reason to get rid of you. Hundred percent. And as I said, it it only took me to twenty seven where Dean Saunders would ring me on a Saturday night. He'd ring me at half past eleven, and if he couldn't get hold of me, he'd ring my missus, and he'd ask me, "Am I watching matches a day?" And because he knew, he knew, like you know, I remember there was one story when I went to Crawley. Um, I just, I got really, I couldn't get a club for ages. Went assigned for Nuneaton, and I just, uh, he offered me to go on trial at Crawley, a secret trial. Went in, done well. Was the best playing league one at 31. Um, Grovesy, I, tra- I think I travelled down in the morning to Crawley. So it was a four hour drive from Chester to Crawley. I was tired from the game. I was tired from driving. I was in a bad mood. And I walked through the, the canteen and I, I had stubble. Um, I was my shirt. I looked scruffy. I looked like someone who's just got up out of either on their nail or off out of the bed. Um, and anyway, Dino was like, "You're a disgrace." Blah, 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 blah. Go on, go get back to the hotel. Not because I was drinking, because he knew, like I was tired mentally, and so go and get the hotel. Get yourself in the gym later on. I'll see you tomorrow. So the assistant manager sort of went, "Leave him alone. Like, let him train." So just to teach the assistant manager a lesson how to deal with me, he said, "Yeah, no worries. Let Lee train." So it was on this Monday after the game. Come in, I'm at the back of the back of the warm up, 
the lads are like 100 yards and I'm like got no energy. Start the passing drill, I'm sloppy, goes into a little bit of possession. First half, but bang, smashed it into someone, bad tackle. I get sent in from the assistant manager, Paul Groves. And Dean went, there we go. There you go, yeah. So he knew, he knew, he knew what my personality was like without even um, you know, me having to say in terms. And that's, that's for me, is good man management, is understanding and looking at people and going, there's something not quite with him. So let's give him a day off. Let's, and that's what I do now with my players. I try and look at him and say to him, listen, if you're struggling, let me know. Because if you don't tell me, I can't help you. I can't defend you. I can't help you. I can't guide you. Um, if you come in and, and say, for example, you, you're carrying this loads of pain with you, and then you're trying to play a game of football on a Saturday, but I'm having a go at you on a Saturday, um, and you're carrying all this pain and resentment with you, I've got no understanding. So I'm just going to have a go at you for, for doing the wrong things. Yeah. But if, if I understand why you're doing these things, and there's something away from football, I can say, do you know what? Football's irrelevant. Let's deal with this on a human basis. Like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So do you look back on your time at Scarborough with regret? Or do you just, like you say, hindsight and it's... It's, it, you were never going to succeed or the club were never going to succeed and it was never going to work out for you because of where you were at at the time a bit of, oh, probably all of it regret um, hindsight um, everything really in terms of I, I don't necessarily believe that you know we still got paid you know don't get me wrong we're getting paid like in sometimes in absurd brown bag yeah. brown bag <laughs> you know the day, the day I actually was it Malcolm Reynolds the chairman I think so at the time yeah I think I remember meeting him at the bar we got relegated on the the Sun the Monday bank holiday or something. I don't know what it was. And you know, as I said, as a document, I was on good money there, and I think I had two or three years left in my contract. And I remember that we agreed a fee. I said, "Listen, if you pay me this today, I will leave now because obviously the club would have gone bankrupt because they've had to keep paying me for the summer." And you know, I remember the last thousand pound or set like it was paid out of the bandit like, and I was thinking, "Wow, like, if this club haven't got like." You know, it wasn't a lot of lot of money. I think the payup was like seven, eight grand. But ultimately, if you didn't have that money as a club, as as a directors or the club, then you knew how close you were to the the brink anyway. And I think that's a lot of clubs, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, one of your other team ex teammates, Danny Ingram, has been in touch, and I think you were expecting Danny to get into. And to be fair, his questions are very sensible. Well, he's grown up because <laughs> he with Danny, I. Got, he was manager at Pickering. I was at Bradford Park Avenue. We sorted players out, and he was more of a. He to be fair to Denny, he was always like he was a good captain. I remember that, and he was very serious. Like whereas the rest of us would have been more jokey. He'd have a drink, you know what I mean? But he'd know his limits. Um, but yeah, now I speak to him as a coach and as manager, and I'm obviously now grown up. It's as simple as that. More yeah. mentally stable, if that makes sense, and. Yeah, I can see what you mean now. It's sense. It, it will be. It'll be. It'll be. Yeah, it'll be sensible, but it'll still be a little bit of something in there. How does he think his career would be different if he was to start out now compared to the different culture within football back when he made his debut? And is there anything he would have changed? Is the first one. Hundred percent. I missed. I missed the the Wenger era by two years. Um, if I generally believe, if I would have surpassed them two years or three years then I would have been in the Premier League or the Championship my whole career. Um, because what Wenger did is was laughed at, if you remember, mm. 97. You know, I was I was in the round in the first team, the World Cup 98, um, France 98. I come back to Coventry. 
and he was laughed at. Like he changed the pasta, he changed the food, he changed the alcohol. He, he got he he was slowly filtering out that Arsenal drinking culture. Yeah, and everybody in football was like, ah, idiot. Two years later, the foreign coaches come, the the SA, uh, strength and conditioning, the the, the no nonsense tolerating with drinking, the diets, the fitness coaching, the SAQ, as I said, the analysts, everything. So he come in and pioneered it. So. The first year he came in, the second and third year was laughter. The fourth year was probably, do you know what? This fella knows his stuff. He'll have had a hell of a task on. I just literally listened to the John Hartson under the car shaft of yours. And yeah. that, that was a hell of a drinking culture there, wasn't it? You know, your Parlers, your Adams, your Bolds, your yeah. Hartson. And it must have been a hell of a task for him to go in there. But do you almost wish as well that you'd have had a manager like Dean Saunders earlier in your career? So if you replace a Strachan with a Saunders, do you think... That would have helped you. Yeah, I think, I think I've, the thing is, what I, I've always had this since I was five or six. So I've always been. I remember Tommy Hutchinson, who was who I didn't know who he was at the time for Liverpool, and I think he was. My dad said he was like this big man and like good career, and he moved me from playing like striker. I wanted to play centre mid. He was like, "No, you're playing striker because you can strike a ball. You're scoring goals." Like, no, I'm a centre mid. Like, if you don't play me centre mid, I'm going. Um, I went to Bristol City, and they, they. One of them told me to do one thing and another one told me to do another thing. And I just went, right, see you later. Bang, off you go. Let me done. Went to Blackburn. Like, they wouldn't pass me the ball in the warm. I just walked off. And so it's never been just about when I grew up. It's always been in me to have that, I don't know, that self-confidence to do so. But, yeah, mate, I just wish, I wish the time was a little bit, bit further along. And I do generally believe that the, the ability I had, I, I definitely wasted my ability 100%. Yeah, and from from the under the cosh, I keep mentioning under the cosh, but like Parkin said, you were the most confident player that he'd come across. Do you genuinely believe, like you said there with the eras, you could have been a you would have been a Premier League player, and, and not only that, but caps and caps for Wales and million pound fees, etc. How how highly did you rate did you rate yourself at the time? I, listen, don't get me wrong, I don't think I'd ever been like the top. Do you mean like yeah? Gigs, etc. Your Gerard, your, I can always say like your Gerard, your No, that's ridiculous. They're elite. They're elite level. But don't get me wrong. There's lads who are playing now, like James Milner was my age group. Um, Joey Barton was my age group. Um, them sort of players, I had a hundred percent been better than. I'm not saying I would have had a better. Like James Milner is like phenomenal. Like his fitness, you know, I heard the story when he was 16, he had a glass of champagne when he was at Leeds on his debut, didn't like it and he vowed never to drink until the day he finished. Now, that is an elite mind athlete. Joey played against me, he was at Fleet with me when we come from, he come from QPR, it was a £90,000 a week. Now, wow. if, if you would have come to training when he was at Fleet with them in two weeks, you wouldn't have known who was the £90,000 a week player. But the difference what Joey adds and what all these top players have is the mentality to succeed. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would have played in the Premiership or I would have played for a high league championship. I would have gone on to play for Wales because people in the Wales team who I was playing with ahead of um, and was Joe Ledley, was um, Vaughan, who played for Crewe and Sunderland. Yeah, David Vaughan, yeah. You know, you had bang up, in my opinion, bang average midfielders, Carl Robinson. Um, Sav was good. He was good. You know I mean? He was good. But um, who else was in there? Pembridge. These were, for me, were like the only elite players Wales had were, uh, were Giggs, Speed, Bellas, Hart, um, Neville Southall. 
obviously Rush and all them previous people. Mm-hmm. Gabadon was very good. They're coming through. Um, and then there's loads of te- loads of loads of clubs, mate. And then now, obviously, now you come in. Wales was a shambles until they started getting this age group of Ramsey, Bale, um, Gunters. They, yeah. they were coming through, and, I, and we we were made aware that they were coming through very quickly. And if you noticed, I think they got from the end of sixteens to the first team within six months. Right. Whereas, whereas my Wales team, I think James Collins. Um, he was with me from Cardiff City. He was a setter half, then he put him striker, and then it took him five years to get in. Where the rest of them, like your Ledleys, your Bales, your that young network, yeah. they were in straight away 16s, 18s, 21s, 13. Um, yeah. It sounds like your Wales career could have been very different if not for that game of head tennis where you said you were shanking it over the shop. And... Yeah. What happened there then? Was it just literally just gigs that kind of. Threw you off a little bit, or was it just one of them days where you just? Oh, no, no, they, I, I don't get starstruck at all. Like, and I, I don't. Like, it was weird because the way it was, I was called up previously to Croatia, and I didn't get the email. It fell down the back of the printer, and when I got there, they were like, "What? Well, why didn't you turn, come last month against Croatia? You called up like, but that would have been six days, so I would have." felt confident in being there for six days to get into that the bench and play it. Mm. But when we played Argentina, again, they faxed it through. They found the fax two days later. So I arrived a day before the Argentina game. Now, as a 16-year-old, or 16, 17, I was confident, but I was also aware I'm walking into like, like Ryan Giggs, Mark Hughes, like Hart and Bellamy, they were teammates of mine. So they were fine. Do you know what I mean? I, me speaking to them was... Not a problem. They were just, I trained with them every day. But when you're seeing like Ryan Giggs at that time, he was like, he was, he was one of the best players in the world for his, what yeah. he was, doing. I'm not saying he is the best player in the world, but he was winning titles at United. He was, he was doing good. And I remember it was me and Simon Howarth who got called up. He was at Wigan. I was at Coventry. And we were playing head tennis. And for some reason, the whole, the staff, so Mark Bowen, Eddie Nazinski, Mark Hughes, um, there was about 12 people watching this like head tennis game. And technically, I'm very good. But Ryan Giggs, I, I, I don't know what it was, mate. He was like, this serve, he missed, he missed the top of the net by that much every time. And he was zinging him in. It was hitting my shin, it was bouncing off. It was like everything I hit was going, and the words I was going within, within myself. Yeah. They must have been, I, I, I'm, and then now I'm thinking, these Mark Hughes must think I'm crap. Like, they, they must think I'm sh- shit, yeah. Like, I went, I completely went there. I couldn't believe it. I can, I, I say I wasn't involved in the game. And that was a big, that was a big frustration for me because other people played for Wales that shouldn't, shouldn't have played for Wales. I imagine that is a big, looking for you, your Wikipedia, I imagine that is a regret for you not getting at least one full cap for, for Wales. Well, the, what killed me was, you know, that game they had Raquel Me, Veron, and. They had Ortega, they had, um, there was a lad. They, they had a, a student, I think, was up front, I think. And from a footballing midfielder, I was like, listen, this is the game. Like, this is meant for me. Millennium Stadium, love it. But then they had a tour in America a month, two months after. And literally, no, it was a year after. So it was just after my court case. And they they took people like you think, what well, I. I wasn't involved in the in the tour. I'm thinking they took 28 people, and that killed. That seen me off. I did. That was when 
I, they played America. I think they beat America one nil and USA. Sorry, and then um, that, that was that was the final point for me. Where I thought, you know what, that's me done. I can't, I can't, can't do it anymore. Well, fair enough. Denny's other question was, how does he find management and dealing with a different mindset of player to when he played? Um, yeah, brilliant. I love it because the thing is, there was no more difficult player to manage than me. So. Ultimately, I can use all my experiences, good and bad, and all their managers, good and bad. So when a player comes to me and says A, B, C, and D, you've already done it. So you can empathise with them. You can understand. You can't sit there and go, I can't believe you've had a drink today when, you know, you, you played half for a couple of years drunk. Do you know what I mean? So, But I, I see this as a second chance for me in terms of, Redemption-wise, why I'm a manager now. I think if I fail at management, then I've then I've really let myself down because um, I failed. I, I failed as a footballer, and if I fail as a manager, then I really feel. Listen, I may not be good enough. You know, I may not be good enough, but I can't fail in doing the same mistakes I made as a player as I do as a manager. So, listen, without touch wood, I'll be big-headed as well. I've managed three clubs now, and every single player I've only ever said good things about me. I'm building a good, good relate. I'm building a good name within football as a manager now, and that to me, you know, I said to a player the other day is he put on loads of weight, um, and I, I won't mention his name, and you know, I happens to the best of us, doesn't it? Yeah, but as I said, because I used to do that as well, and I and I give him, I give him, give him an ultimatum. I said, listen, if you lose the weight, you'll come back and play for me. But I, I need the player that was in the same condition that he was in pre-season as he is now. And, it, and, if, and he was going, oh, bullshit, you know, I, this is not true. And I was like, okay. So anyway, he went, I've lost a stone and a half. I went, great, come in. And then he played against South Shields on the Tuesday against top of the league. And we won 3-1. And he texted me saying, I appreciate that. Thanks for doing, you know, you sticking to your part. I went, well, I stuck to my part because you stuck to yours. Mm. You know, in football, it's very rare you get a manager who, who tells you the truth. And, um, I I want my players to be able to speak to me freely and me speak to them freely back. And then there's no grey areas. And and as we say, ask any players playing under me, they'll just get the the honest truth. Good, bad, the ugly. You know, I, I'm there all seasons. I'll be there for them. So. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, Jamie Williams asked if you could sign one player from this current Scarborough Athletic side at Radcliffe now, who would it be and why? The centre midfielder, the ginger boy, Kieran Glynn. Yeah, he's a player, mate. Yeah, absolute player. He, he just, as I said, like you know, I'm I'm managing Ratcliffe, but I'm there watching and admiring him when you beat us three one. Like, and mm. sometimes in football, you 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 want to see that type of player excite you, and you know, because there are players like that in these lower leagues. You know what I mean, you just got to find them and give them the freedom to do so. So he excited me, mate. Um, yeah, he's the one. He's the one I'd go and get if yeah. I could get. He played a decent level, to be fair. He was at, F he was at um, Salford, and he went obviously into FC and Southport and whatnot. But I think he'll go back up eventually. I think he'll go up the levels. Personally. Yeah, he's a player, mate. Yeah, definitely. Um, John Cullors asks, "Who was the best player you played with at Borough?" Was Redfern still playing when you? Or was yeah, he? He, he was playing, mate. He was manager, but he was like he was on corners, free kicks. As soon as yeah. he got the goal, he just take himself off. Who <laughs> um, was good at Scarborough? I'll be honest with you, mate. We were pretty poor. Our, right. our, our, the, the team was poor. Like, um, 
there's got to be a player who's... I tell you who played well week in, week out. I'm not saying he's the best football player in the world. It was Chris Hughes. Right. Midfielder. Blonde boy, yeah. Look, yeah. He, well, I think he was ginger, but dyed his hair blonde. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Now, Quayley was good. Quayley was good. I've had Quayley on the podcast. He's a, he's a good bloke, isn't he? He, yeah, he's he nice knew guy. where the back of the net was, didn't he? He what? He knew where the back of the net was, didn't he? He, yeah, he scored some, yeah. He was a good guy, he was. Um, trying to think of the team. Livey, no. Babs, no. Um, Weaves, Weaves was Weaves was the best professional him and Kevin Nicholson Kev, him and Kevin to be fair him and Kevin Nicholson those two together were the best professionals at the club and they've gone to be managers haven't they both of them so yeah well Nico's, Nico lived in the house with me so no that we had a three bed three story house and uh, Nico had the bottom floor and me and Bavo used to play shooting games like throwing darts up in the air and hitting you on the head and, but he was right next to his door and, and there was one day when I fell from the top of the house all the way down to the bottom of the stairs and Kev just opened his door. Um, he just looked, he went, are you all right? I was like, yeah, mate, what's the matter? Bad? You're boring, get back in your room. He went, I'm only trying to help you close his door. And I, I felt sorry for Kev because he, put, he, he wanted to be a football player so bad, a professional football player again, at a good club and a good level. And we were ultimately destroying his, like, you know, he went to bed early. He ate, he drank, you know, because he, he's another bloater. Do you know what I mean? He, he had to eat and drink properly because otherwise he'd balloon up. Mm. And I just felt sorry for him. I think we let it. I let, that's the one thing I, I can wear with Scarborough. I let him down as well. Mm. Because he, I, I don't think he had particularly much money. Um, and his one source of income to get higher and better was through football. And we were abusing his chance. And that. Dunbavin comes up quite a lot. As a bit of a loose cannon, yeah. Is that have you got any decent tales of what you got up to with him? Or um, it's with Gerard, isn't he, Stephen Gerard? Yeah, as I said, yeah. he, he he had a baby with my ex-wife's twin sister. So me and Babs, if that makes sense. So my ex-wife, <laughs> yeah. Babel and I got together and they had a baby together. So Babel was travelling with me, lived with me. Um, he was always at my house, or I was dropping into Southport and. Yeah, it was the recipe for disaster for the two of us to be together. Um, I think if you ask a lot of people in Scarborough, he, he was uh, there was a boxer called Price. Danny Price. Yeah. I remember the story with Danny Price. So Bavo was in the car and he'd shouted something out and he was a binman. If you remember, I don't know if he's still a dustman now, binman, I think. So anyway, he'd shouted something out. To, he didn't know it was him. I shouted something out and Within about five minutes, my phone had rang. I think I'm sure it was Denny. He said, Have you just been driving around Scarborough? And he was like, Yeah, he said, but listen, you've got to go drive back around and apologize because he's going to batter Bavo. And I was like, And it was him, like, and I was, so he had to drive around and apologize. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I think Jimmy rang me once as well. Bavo had been abusing a bouncer with some bad tattoos and he'd like he abused his tattoos. Didn't think nothing of it. And there was a nightclub, I think it was called Q, Q something. Um, it's excess. Was... It was got Barracuda. It's by Barracuda anyway. Right. Opposite Barracuda over the road. I used yeah. to Barracuda. And um, so Bavo like. Oh, we... quids in. Quids in. It might have been quids yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this bouncer obviously finished on the bar, and then was going looking for me and Bavs. So I had nothing to do with me. I don't know what was going on. And then Jimmy was like, "Listen, you've got an hour to get out of Scarborough," and I was like, 
Fox, man. You don't have to get yourself into some situation. Like, and because I was there with him, it was like me and him, but he had nothing to do with me. Like, it was just, yeah, it was, uh, it was terrible, mate. Like, the day we got relegated was a bit, it was horrible, mate. We went out and had a drink the next day, me, Denny, and Babs. And like Babs is sitting there with a, it was boiling up there. I don't know if you remember, it was boiling, mate. We're down the promenades and whacking balls. He was whacking balls down the, you know, the big tennis balls you get down Right. And then he was in a in a rain mac and it was like four, 30 degrees. And I just said, come on, mate, we've got to go, man. You can't be doing this. Like, but, yeah. What was that dressing room like? Was there any more characters like you and Dunbabin? Or were you the two that kind of. Uh... Oh, no. And that's the thing that you had. You had obviously Steve Baker, who was a bit lively. Um, Tony Aqua, who was funny. You had um, Kevin Nicholson, in, in his way, was funny. Mm. Um, dry. You had the Sheffield Car School. There was always something going on. There was always... Who was in that Sheffield Car School that you mentioned? You've mentioned it a few times now. Who was in that car school? Macca. Say that again, sorry. Macca, was it? I'm trying to think of that team now. You had a midfielder with Macca, something Macca. It was Weaver. You had a goalkeeper called Wacker. Oh, uh, Lee Walker. Lee Walker. He was quite... He was quite um, controversial with some of the stuff he would say in the change room like I think there was a bit of thing between him and Bav so I didn't really mind him but being captain I had to step in at some point um, you had a lad called Macca who was a midfielder um, you had Simon Weaver uh, I think Jake Spate came in for one game and then he left um, then you obviously had the kids Kulo um, Jimmy Blighty I think was there as well uh, I can't remember the team. It's a long you a time. Shield, you had a, the few South Shields boys, what are they called? The left back, Jim. Uh... I'm trying to remember the team. It was because there was Ian, Chris Hughes, and Ian. I'm trying to think of the last. Clark, Clark, he was Ian so, Clark. Yeah, Clark, Clark, he was a good lad, to be fair. I played yeah. them, them three. Um, they had, the, what's his name? Shake, wakey, wakey. I am Wake. Brian Wake, yeah. Striker. He me, yeah, he added me the other day on LinkedIn. He's a manager now in Norway, is he? Oh, is he? Yeah. Didn't but then that. he had left back. Because they all come from Gretna, didn't they? You remember Gretna? Yeah. 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 He was funny, but he never played. He like when he was on like big money at Scarborough, he was on like six fifty a week. I'm trying to think of his name. I don't know anyway. Then we had that Egan. Now I'm not sure if that's the Egan who played for Sheffield United. There was an Egan an Egan come to us. Right. I'm not sure. We had all the loans and from Barnsley, didn't we? If you remember, all the Barnsley boys come in. Yeah, there's lots of ins and outs, wasn't there? I mean, the, the club was bad for that for quite a few years. It's just yeah. such a high turnover of players, and it's never helpful, is it? Nah, it kills you, mate. Kills you. No. Um, so, who did you sit, so name one then? Pick pick one. The best player you played with at Borough, whether it's technically or everything together as a package. Or I'd say I'd, I'd give it to Kev. Because he technically was good, mm. and a great left foot, great sweet delivery on his left foot, and he worked the hardest, and he deserved the most. So I'll give it to Kev, yeah. even though he's crap. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, favorite Borough game and favorite Borough goal from Eddie Buck. Oof. Favorite one of the goal. Well, I scored two free kicks, one against Halifax. Um, who else did I score? I scored three in the first couple of games. I think I scored a free kick from like 40 yards, but I think the keeper threw it in. <laughs> like, it literally, he should have saved his own. Right, yeah. Um, the favourite game has got to be 
it's got to be one of the derby games over Christmas or I think I know me and um, Buzz who's Martin Foster Fozzie he, he, he was on about the game with Denny when we played Halifax we signed Denny yeah. from Halifax at January Neil uh, Bishop was involved wasn't he yeah Bish oh sorry Bish mate tell you what Bish Bish is the best player we played with in there not because he's back he's at the club now isn't he yeah not but yeah Bish was Bish was good mate he, don't get me wrong I didn't see him ever going high as he did don't get mm. me wrong. That was that, what he's done with his career. Fair play to him. Yeah, Neil Bishop. Yeah, but what? Yeah, he's a funny lad, mate. Funny, funny lad. He's back with the club now. I'm not sure what happened with him because, like you said, there's this lockdown and thoughts here. I think now it, it must be awful for players that were thinking of having it as their last season. It must yeah. be terrible way to battle. You eat if if that hasn't got anything about him, mate. You keep him around. Um, even if it's a coaching aspect or it's a footballing player dual role and what he's got Jimmy and really um, I, I would certainly if I was that manager be certainly getting Bish in and around me because if he is anything like he was as a player and yeah I forgot Bish played there yeah. yeah so he said one of the Halifax you were touching on the Halifax game there and it I obviously think, kicked, yeah, kicked off didn't it yeah it, it was kicking off like I remember like Regard that time was was a blur to be honest. You know? Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a blur, but I remember the, I remember the it kicking off in the in the games, and you know, I remember we got battered by Grays one game seven two or seven four. That was that was with Kitely, Michael Kitely, and um, there were some big some lads in that team who went on to play a much higher level. I know Michael yeah. Kitely was one of them. I can't remember the other. Kitely, uh, Dennis Ollie. Yeah, uh, Stuart Thurgood. It was man, that team. It was like the Globetrotters. Man, I remember just. We, I remember it was. Like, I think it was seven two or seven three. We lost. It was at home, was, wasn't it as well? Yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Of the season, I was like, wow, these are these are like these are good, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that I'd probably say that the local derbies were good. There was a home game early on. I can't remember which which it was. We had a big crowd. I don't know if it was a bank holiday. Can't remember, mate. It's been that long. It's a long time ago, isn't it? To be fair, favourite teammate during Ever. your time at, at Borough. We'll touch on you of the rest of your career shortly, but your favourite um, teammate at Borough. I would. I'd probably say Babs initially. Obviously, because we, you know, for, for, more for off the field than on the field. But in terms of who made me laugh and who I've kept in touch with and um, who makes me laugh even now, seeing him is Kev Nicholson. Um, right. But yeah, Kev. I'd say Kev's. Uh, I I, just, you know, I speak to Weaves every now and again. Just that's more of a footballer thing. But yeah. Kev, like even right now and then, we I, I'll randomly just text him abuse and you know I haven't spoken to him for years. But uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say Kev. I'd say Kev. Would you would you have expected Dickerson to go on and manage teams like Tottenham? Yeah. yeah, yeah, all day long, mate. He's um, he, he 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 he. How do I explain that? He wanted to be a football player badly. Mm. With everything, his diet, his drink, he, he watched everything, he done everything, conducted himself properly, spoke well, he loved football, you know. Um, yeah, I could see I could see Kev going, Weaves, no, not Weaves. Obviously, he's never going to sack him because his dad's a chairman. So. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Done a great job there, to be fair, hasn't he? Bloody gone wild, haven't they? Well, the thing is, it makes me laugh. People say little old Harrogate, like when do we? I know if they were spending some serious dough, like it will have been, yeah. Now they've got into a league now where they're gonna have to self self out, but yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Martin Dowie has been in touch. He was the reporter of the paper when you were there, so he might, he might have spoken to you during the time. Um, did you think that Borough side you came into had the quality to stay up? Uh, David McNiven, yourself, ETC. So, oh, did you think the team had as, as I said, mate, it was it was too wishy washy. It was too many, too much change, too much um, too much turnover in terms of players in and out. No real direction, if I can remember rightly. Talented players, really, who probably all went on to other clubs after that, um, higher up the pyramid as well. Um, nah, I don't. I don't think that team was good enough. I'll be honest with you, mate. I don't think it was good enough to yeah. stay. Yeah, obviously Michael Corson went on to have an unbelievable career. Like, and he, when I spoke to him for the podcast, he thought he maybe could have gone a little bit higher had he not had the injury problems he had at the time at Barnsley. Did you see that promise in him? Well, we, when he came through, we knew there was there was we knew there was stuff coming through, and possibly his move to Barnsley was through Redders and Eric Gwynn Stanley. Yeah, um, because I I can't really remember many other teams around that particular time looking at him. Um, I definitely think the link come between Redders and, and Eric. Um, could he have played higher than Barnsley? Where were Barnsley playing then? I think he played in the Championship, I think. I think. He's, he never. I don't think he said, from memory, I don't think he said, I would have been in the Premier League. But I think he said the injuries came at a bad time for me when I thought I was doing well at Barnsley. And... Yeah. Well, you, you never know. How many games did he play for Barnsley? I have no idea. I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up. Um, he was there a while. Um, possibly. Possibly. He, listen, he was good. Don't get me wrong. Do you know what I mean? He was a good player. A good young player. And, you know, who's to say he could have done any better? Yeah. Um, especially with injuries, mate, because, you know, you lose pace, you lose this. It, it, I always say football's about being good enough, being lucky enough, and having the timing to do it. Yeah. So that's the whole. If them three things marry, no one can tell you. Listen, we see people in the Premier League now. They're crap. Mm. I mean, I don't care if if someone says, "Oh, he only ever played for in Championship or non-league." But we all got opinions. With people playing in League One, League Two, I watched League Two the other day. You think I wouldn't even sign him for Racket? Yeah. But someone else likes him. That, and that's that's football. That's what makes football brilliant. Yeah, I suppose as well. It would have been. It's different levels, isn't it? Like you come into Scarborough and you've you've previously played with the likes, you know, like a young Robbie Keane, etc. You, you see Robbie Keane and Michael Corson, it's it's night and oh, day, isn't it? Opposite. So yeah, polar opposites. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, but it, it, he's Kulo's come from worse coaching, yeah. worse environments. Whereas Robbie's always had that elite coaching he's been through. As I said, mate. He, <laughs> He's a good kid and he was a good player. I, I don't know how many games he played for for Barnsley. Um, I'm going to look at it while we're on. So. Yeah, but he, yeah, the injuries. Um, I think he had a big one, didn't he? He yeah. got some bad. He had some bad injuries. I was really, I've been really su- impressed and surprised how many games he's played for Scarborough since coming back. Because obviously with the 3G pitch and the knee problems he's had previous and the injuries he's had at York, etc. Yeah. Um, Said so he played. I thought he played more than that. At Barnsley, 16 games. And he's gone to obviously Grimsby and played quite a lot of games at Grimsby and then York City. And but yeah, he's had injury problems throughout his career. But um, but yeah, obviously we've um, I've asked you to put a one to eleven together of players you you've played with throughout your career. But I just wanted to ask you just to just to, before we touch on that, best and worst managers you played for, and best 
player you played with and against? So, best manager um, will be Dean Wonders, which is purely because, not, not because he signed me and he's given me the chances to play in the league and all that, just purely down to man management. The way he is, his, his enthusiasm, his knowledge, his, his care for me as a person um, was, was great. And the managers, mate, there's been a few, really. There's been some poor managers throughout, I think. Um, there's probably too many to name, really, but uh, I'm trying to think. Right, there's been that many. There's, honestly, there's been that many poor managers, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say poor. I'd say lazy, lazy managers. Like, in there for the reputation, almost. They've had a good career as a player, and they're just the face fits almost. So they're getting jobs. Seems to be prevalent yeah. in English, English football, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it is that, and it's the fact that they're lazy. They're not willing to get better themselves. They think I'm manager. I don't need to get better. Well, you do because there's someone coming behind you who's going to be better than you bigger than you, no more than you. So if you, as I say to people, managers, especially back in the day when I played, which wasn't too long ago, they, I think they feel it's an authoritative role where it's their way or the highway and there's no delegation, there's no um, communication, there's no sort of willing on their part to get better. They just think, right, I've made it, I'm now the manager, I'm this big ego, I can do what I want, say what I want, do what I want, it's my rules. Well, Realistically, you're going to get a sack in six or 12 months. There's no longevity in you. You'll do well for so long, off you go. Yeah. And then you get 20, 30 players who all dislike you, who then talk in a platform like this, who then it spreads bigger, then they go into another club. Oh, yeah, I remember him saying that. Then all of a sudden, that's you washed, that's you done. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to become that way. So that was that. Best player I played with is... Um, you. I always... I could drop name drop and you go, oh, the best player I played with was Giggs, Speed, Bellamy, Harton, uh, I don't know, uh, Robbie Keane. McAllister. The McAllisters. Mm-hmm. But I just keep it sort of where I played with really. And the, the best player I've seen, two players I've seen I've paid to watch in the lower leagues and non-league. And I'll just keep it non-league, man. That's, is, is Dom Vos, who I signed just before we stopped, but couldn't get him in because of the COVID. And Andre Bucard, um, both of them. Like I, I used to watch him, and I, I played with Bucard. I, I played with both of them. One was at Wrexham, one was at Kettering, and just I watch him and think, wow, that's, uh, you can play like me, like you know what I mean. You, like, even when there's loads of people around you, whereas I, I always see footballers, their minds are so scattered when there's people around them. Where I see football different, I just say, give me the ball. I don't care who's around me. I'll, I'll, I'll get out of it. Yeah. And when you see another player like that, but and you see it playing with it and watching it, you like, then you watch them train and I was thinking, what, this kid's, this, these kids are good, like, I don't know why they've ever played this level and I think, probably the same as me, like, but geniuses yeah. go for me, Andre Bucard, he was like, I remember when he was at Reading when I was at Cardiff and he was just a genius, mate, the way he touches the ball and Don Vos, like, it's the same, the way they manipulate the ball and they, if, as a fan, if I was, if listen, I'm not a fan of a football team, but if I was a fan of them teams that they play in, I would pay 15 quid to watch them play. Yeah. That's a fair point because obviously, yeah, you touched on the likes of the, of the big Premier League players. You, you mentioned obviously the lads coming through, you know, the McAllisters, et cetera. But you've played with the others for longer, perhaps, and relative to the level. But what about best player against then? Um, as I said, though, you, you could name drop different people and bobs. And I remember the Yeovil team in the conference. They just got up through, and Lee Johnson's actually wrote about in the paper about me, and 
he wasn't the best player, but he's the most player, which made me quit. I quit at half time. I was like, I can't get near him. It was like him and Darren Wade, both five foot four. I'm five foot five. They outran me, they out tackled me, they outworked me. They, they was like simply just, and that's what I'm saying. Footballing wise, I haven't come up against someone who I thought, do you know what? He, he's 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 the bollocks in like. But when he's the one player that's I've gone. I couldn't outrun him. I couldn't outwork him. He wanted him more than me. He was fitter than me. He was like, and I was just like, do you know what? And he, he's actually wrote an article about it when he was in the football league and stuff. But um, that's the only player really. You admire loads of players. You admire quite a lot of people you can watch and play against. But you must have played against some real big names at, at Cov when you were coming through, and even in the reserve games, I imagine there will have been big, big, big players playing in the reserve games. Yeah, well, as I said, the old reserves were there. It was like a glorified extension of the first team. So mm. if you didn't play on a Saturday, the five subs who didn't play, plus the rest of the remainder of the first team would be with the youth team. So, you know, I remember my first game against Chelsea. Uh, Claudio Ranieri just took over. We were 16. And they had, like, Ed Guy, I know, who's in goals? Kevin Hitchcock, Ferreira, Terry, uh, Saladama Bonner, Gary Hunson. Um, I think uh, Hasselbank played up front. I scored two. We lost three two, and our oldest player was eighteen. Wow! And that was that was Ranieri when listen, we apologised. They moved the game from Kingstonian over to um, Stamford Bridge, and we were like, oh, "Brilliant! I would not play Stamford Bridge." I scored a free kick from thirty-five yards and a penalty, and I was only sixteen. Like, and, but yeah, you you play against like we, we played for Wales, we played against like Italy, and we played against lads who played Diagostino, his name was. Um, so we're going through the the. The, the appearances you had like Jamie Tolley 200 times of shoes with Lee Fowler 16 times of Coventry and then you went Diagostino 12 Champions League appearances and 100 Serie A appearances and he's like 19 we're like who's, who's this team like <laughs> there's only way to get old and you look back through the scrapbooks and that but as I said mate you play against loads you Paul Inses you like you know when you're coming through but because I was only there for such a small period I don't, I don't class that as my career classes non-league so right a little bit more have you almost like sort of subconsciously written that part of your career off then it, 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 or is that my wider the mark there it seems like I've mentioned the best player you play with and you haven't mentioned you know you, you're not gone with Bellamy I just, I, just, I just feel like you know like, yeah I've written it off because I didn't really like it probably is subconsciously me going do you know what well I failed at that level so let's just write that bit off mm. Not like completely forget about it because I watch people in a non-league play. I read a non-league paper and they read like they've, they've started their best 11 they've played with. And you go like Shawn Michael or they'll go, I played with him and I've done this. And you like, you Wikipedia him and they go, never made appearance for the first team. <laughs> yeah. well, you're like, like, you know, if like any other person like me, they're going, you didn't play. You'd like, you, you train with them. You didn't play with them. You're, like, yeah. you're, lying. you're lying to make everybody go, oh, you're you. You're a baller, or you're, you know what I mean? Like, uh, all these people lie about money. Name and dropping. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it frustrates the life out of me. Like, people who, like, live off, live off other people's stories. But then when you actually do the detail, they've never done anything. They've trained with, they, they got called up because some got injured. They've been with them once, and all of a sudden, they're in their start 11. Yeah. Like, Grow up, like. <laughs> I don't even want to ask for you one to 11 now. But, um, yeah. It's just go through. It's like, so I'd have, in goals, I'd probably have um, there was a there was a goalkeeper called Kevin Poole. It was a but was he at Birmingham as well? Birmingham, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. he was forty-seven when he played with me, and 
I was like, like I could have chose Scott Davis, who won the league at Fleetwood and Tramere and other bits and bobs, or Chris Maxwell, and I was at present. But yeah, he was 47, and you couldn't beat him. Like, you couldn't beat him. 47. He, he was like, he come into the car school with me, and he used to never say a word. But he'd always ask me what happened with me. And he was like living his life through me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like yeah. little stories. But yeah, he was a great man, great man, great goalkeeper, 47 years of age. And I'd still probably sign him now. I think he's a good, I think he was working with Cluffy again at one point. How old was Grizovic when you played with him? Because I was walking dog when I was listening to your podcast and that story about you and him warming up. I was pissing myself and this woman walked past me with a dog. <laughs> she was giving me a right look. I was yeah. howling at that. Oh, the Newcastle fans giving you a, a lot of stick. Yeah, they were abusing me. Yeah, I could say, you know, I could say Chris Kirkland, I could say uh, Aggressive, I could say Magnus Hedman, I could say any of the world's keepers. But what's the point? Like, I didn't yeah. play with. Them, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was funny. That the, the Newcastle one, we got abused. Um, I think that was like, Yeah, it was like, why are you bringing your grandfather? I know cover crap, like, but why are you bringing your grandson for that? I was like, <laughs> I just went back in straight away. Like, you just got to take it, haven't you? That's fair play. Rather than yeah. calling you a C-bomb and just shouting like a crap abuse yeah. at you. At least it's funny, you know. As I said, I was 16, so I was like, yeah. I looked young. Like, I'd have no hair on my chin, I'd hair on my head, and, you know, all the all the equipment wouldn't fit me, the coats, the baggy coats and that, you know. And, you know, I look back now when I did play for Coventry, you know, the shirts are massive. I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like three quarters, I mean. Like, people like... And then you just played you wherever you're given. Whereas now you go in and say, "Listen, I want a medium or a small or a large." Yeah. But mine was an extra large. But, um, but yeah, that was that. Um, left back, left back, left back. I'd, I'd probably go with a lad called Aaron Webster. Um, as Aaron Webster was a Burton. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. He scored. You know, I could have gone Sean Newton, I could have gone lads who won the league with me at Wrexham or Neil Ashton, who's good. But again, you could have gone bigger names. But uh, he, he just, he scored, I think he scored like 180 goals for Burton. Um, he used to just mess around at the back. Like he's, he'd meg people, he'd like shoot from 50 yards. He'd, he, and he was a good lad as well off the field. But he was a legend at Burton and um, just a very, very, very good player. I think if he, if he would have, I think the story is that if he could have drove, I think. Derby would have bought him from Burton, but he didn't drive. So he missed out on a move from the Football League because he didn't drive and he just stayed. Seems quite strange, doesn't it? In this kind of right. era, you'd think they'd work something out with that. But he's a player. He was a player, mate. He was a um, good lad and a proper good player as well. Just on uh, that, you say he messes around, makes people at the back. Do you like that as a manager, or do you like keep it simple at the back? Or what's your kind of philosophy on that? I hate the word philosophy. I don't know why I use it there, but what's your take on that? Um, in the right areas, uh, go and do what you need to do. Um, not left back then. Uh, not left back. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, we we've got sort of areas of the pitch where we say red, red, amber, green. Red's danger. Amber is sort of like 50-50, Greens go, go, go. We call it, and that's where you can go and do your tricks, your megs, your flicks. That's what the fans pay for. They don't want to yeah, see. Yeah. Oh, no disrespect. You don't want to see eleven James Milners or eleven John Henson. Do you want to see five, four or five of them and six mm. of them like? You know, Rafaina to Leeds or, uh, you know, them Paez at West Ham or, you know, the genius Pogba's or you know, them sort of players who go, yeah. oh, 15 quid, I've just seen something I've never seen at this level of football before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd go that centre-half, I'd go definitely Steve McNulty, one of them. Um, brilliant captain, brilliant player. Uh, I think he's littered with nine promotions now in nine years. 
um, which is bonkers when you think of it. Yeah, uh, especially that you look at him physically and go, oh, "Geez, he's he can't play football, but he could play football properly." Um, and as I said, a good, good, honest, gone, good, honest guy. You've seen what he's done with Witten Albion this year. He's gone in there and transformed Witten Albion and single-handedly himself. Um, Centre half, something else, something else, something else. I'd probably go with Mark Crichton. He was at Wrexham with me in Oxford. Another one, head on, head, you know, head of cement, brick wall. Do you know what I mean? He, good lad, good honest. Knows he's, knows he's not a great footballer on the ball, but what he does great is, is defend a proper out or out defender. Yeah, um, really, really impressive what he does. Um. Right back, I would go between oh, right back, right back, right back. Curtis Obeng when he got his move to um, Swansea from the from from Wrexham. Well, there was a lad called Sean Beale who played with me at Fleetwood. Um, yeah, both of them had similar qualities, really. And um, I say it's not the best. But just, this this team where I think would win the league. You know what I mean, this one I'm go, I'm yeah. basing on who's making the cut there. I'm going to go Curtis, put in Curtis, going to make him a right back. Uh, midfield, I'd have uh, Dom Vos and Andre Bucard yeah. as, my, as my two midfielders. Uh, not picking yourself? Different. Nah. You've man, got to I'm pick not. yourself. You, 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 your confidence through the roof. Yeah, you've got, I, to, you've I, got I, to bang I, yourself in there. You couldn't play S3 together, mate. I remember one game we played for Kettering, me and Book, we beat Kim Fed 5-0. And we just kept playing with each other. We had a game where we in house game, and when he when we got substituted, I said, "I'll oh, do a roly poly." And mate, they Gates said we had our Christmas do as well that week in Newcastle. Mate, they were ringing me going, "If you're in this place, I'm going to kill you." They like, I was like, "Mate, it's a joke. Like, relax." Like that. You say you're taking the pis. Do you know what I mean taking the mick out of us? And you're five nil up and telling them to do roly polies. And I was like, "Mate, just enjoy football." But um, <laughs> yeah, on the left, mate, I'd have Joe Lolly. We right, went from yeah. the Minster to obviously Forest. Uh, Forest. Yeah, he yeah. went from yeah, no Huddersfield first. He signed from us for Kidderminster. Yeah, he, mate, he was some player. Like he, he was brilliant. From his first touch, I knew he'd be higher. You know, we signed him from a university team, step nine, um, and we knew straight away he was going. Uh, on the he's been right, linked with the, he's been linked with a move on he recently to the Premier League. I think he wanted to go to Villa. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. He's a massive Villa fan. Um, that's Books, uh, Books, Dom, Lolly, right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing, right wing. I'm still, I'm still expecting a Mustafa Hadji or a Yusuf Chipo here. Nah, I'm not random, do it. random names. Nah, there's no point, mate, in doing that. <laughs> um, I'll put, I'll put Andrew Mangan, my best mate, on the right. Uh, played with me at Forest Green, played with me at Wrexham, played with me at Fleetwood. Massive character, mate. Bonkers, like lovely kid, but scores everywhere he's been. Like Tramia, Shrewsbury. Yeah. Uh, great character. Just I get I got to get him in because obviously striker. I'm gonna play different people up front and I'd, up front I'd go with Daryl Clare. I don't know if you remember Daryl Clare. It rings a bell that name, yeah. Yeah, he, mate. Was guaranteed. He he was the Matt Tubbs or he was the James Walshaw of. That league, you right. mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You're guaranteed, but you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money to score 30 goals. But you're guaranteed that 30 goals every single season. Yeah. Again, he, he's a big character, mate. A bonk, like bonkers. 
but he was 30 goals a season then. You know, you could... I could say Vards, but... You played uh, with him for quite a while, didn't you? Yeah, but it's like... Uh, Vardy, it's fair enough. Yeah, but it's like, oh, you're jumping on the bandwagon, you know, Vardy played. But you're not, I mean? like, you're not the liar, because he, he was clearly good where you were with him, and he's pushed on and pushed through the levels and scored goals wherever he's been. I know, but it's too easy to do that. <laughs> I, I, I admire what you're doing, to be fair. You get a, like you said, you get a lot of people coming on going, Hedman, McAllister, Chipo, Hadji, Keane, just, just, and they might have played fractions of games with them, but... Yeah. Nah. The one, I'd probably say, the two people, I enjoyed playing with Gary McSheffrey, but again, I played with him for the youth teams and he, he didn't play a thing, but... Um, but he was just greedy, so I won't put Mac in. <laughs> I'm gonna put uh I'm gonna put my agent in now, so he best watch this and get me a move later on down the line. Uh, Jake's wait, I'll put Jake's wait. I could have oh, put is he your agent, is he? Jake's my agent, yeah. So uh, if anyone's interested, contact uh Jake's he's a but it, well, as I said, I played him at Scarborough. Um he was only there for one game. And then when he comes to Wrexham, he'd scored, I think he'd scored like 20, 24 that season. And he had everything, mate. And I think he got his move to Bradford just after that, I think. Or... That name, other than being at Scarborough, rings a bell for something. Did he get involved with boxing or something? Or am I thinking of someone else? He's, I think he's been involved in some sort of fighting, but I don't think it was boxing. <laughs> Fair um, Different type. Different type. Yeah, probably I've, you probably read it through somewhere else. But yeah, as I said, he's... Um, yeah, it was either him or Danny Wright, really. Danny Wright played for Forest Green and Wrexham and Cambridge and Histon, but he lived with me, Danny. So, yeah, I just think, as I said, mate, keep it simple. As long as I can watch them midfielders play football and get it forward, the rest of them are there just to keep clean sheets. So. Parking misses out. Yeah, well, Parky misses out, mate, just because I didn't play with him very often. But when we did play, we were in fat club together, me and Parky. Me, me McNulty and um, Parkin. And when Fleetwood was struggling, they didn't play me. McNulty was told to leave. He went, obviously, somewhere else. But me and Parky got put into the team together. And our first game was Morecambe away. And Parky scored a hat-trick. And we'd won eight games on the bounce. But then I got put back in Fat Club and they didn't win. But Mickey, the manager got a sack. But he, he a funny story with Parky. Um, we were playing in 11-11 within the game and the ball got played up to him and he just caught the ball and he stopped it in the middle of the session and Mickey was like, Fouls, have a go at him. I'm like, Parky, what are you doing? He's like, well done. I'm like, what? He's like, well done, Mickey, brilliant. You're the best. Like, What's going on here? Yeah, all the lads now are giggling because he stopped the session, parking. And he's gone, it's took me, in 17 years, I've learned to learn the game of football. It's took you two weeks to make me unlearn everything I know about football. So brilliant, well done. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, as I said, mate, he, he, what a character, mate. What a he guy. comes across as an unbelievable maverick. Like, well, some he, of the things he says on these podcasts are just insane. Like, I bet he was really hard to manage. Well, no, he was, he was brilliant. Parky's like, as a, man, as a manager, listen, Parky, unless, he, unless you upset him, he'd have, he'd have his say. But he, he wasn't one of them people who'd come out and, like, he'd take stuff in, Parky. But when he came to our changing room, we had myself. Mangan, McNulty, Maguire, um, we had Sean Beely, Junior Brown, we had we had a we had a really mad Scotty Davis who's a tra- we had a crazy change room. 
and Park, he just come in and he loved it. Like he just sat in there and he was the honest about he was he, he was funny, mate. Like for for someone of his age to come in and he probably enjoyed seeing all the stuff he did when he was growing up and he he was he was good. He embraced it well, mate. He did. He does a mint job on that podcast, I've got to say. Like it's uh I've yeah, listened to nearly all of them and yeah. Brilliant. But no, I genuinely appreciate your time there, Lee, and, and thanks for taking the time out to speak to me and look back at your time at Scarborough. Like, I didn't realise like literally how um how bad you you were a bad place you were in at the time and like you said, the worst time of your career it says it all, doesn't it, really? So Yeah, it was bad, mate. It was um as I said, the first seven games I was on fire. Mm. Like, I was I actually nearly went to Exeter. Um Exeter tried to sign me. So when I played the, I think if you look on the soccer base, I think I'd scored three goals in ten games. I scored two, a penalty against Halifax, a free kick against Exeter, I think, or something like that, and another goal I scored the one for moment. I don't know who it was against. I think it was against Woking or so. I don't know who it was against anyway. But the first seven games I was on fire, and the Exeter rang my my uh, agent up. I was like, listen, we'll give him a free year deal, move him down, and obviously Exeter were going back into higher up. And then when he'd watched me play, it was it was the manager who just left, the bald fella. What's his name? Oh. He's just been sacked now from Bristol Rovers. Not Tisdale, is it? Tisdale? Tisdale, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Tisdale, the manager. Was it Tisdale? Sure they, had the, it was Tisdale. they had the same manager for years, didn't they? Yeah, they had the same manager. I think, I'm sure it was Tisdale. And he was like, listen, mm. he banged me up and we played him. And he'd gone, the last game of the season, we played him within three games last game of the season. He went, fouls, like, What's going on, mate? You look awful. Obviously, my belly was big. Wow. Seeing my face. And I, and he was right what he said. Like He said, I was going to sign you. He said, but the condition you're in now, I can't take you in this condition. Like, and he said, you know, after that game, we tried to sign you, and now we can't. And Yeah, it was difficult, mate. It was, you know, so I do apologise to the, to the fans because, you know, it's not often I will apologise to fans because it's part of a learning curve. But ultimately, I, I, was, I was in the wrong. And I and I allowed things around me to be wrong as well, which is not like me as a captain as a, and as a person. Mm. But like you say, these things are almost beyond your control at times, aren't they? You look back on your life and you think, I would have done that differently. It's it's hindsight, isn't it? When really you went through it again, you'd probably do the same things again, wouldn't you? The way yeah, you were yeah. at the time. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, with no disrespect, but if if I was doing everything right, I would never play for Scarborough. No. I would have never even been in the conference. So. Yeah. Um, I am, I am where I was meant to be at. That's where I'm. That's where I believe, and that's why I don't really, you know, I could talk about the what ifs or what I could have been, or you know, the players I played with and all that. And I, I probably just think because I played there so little, I can't refer to it properly. I don't, you know, I played sixteen times in the championship. I wouldn't call myself a championship player. I call myself a conference player. Right. Uh, you know, as good accolade to play in a championship sixteen times. And not many people would play one game in the championship. No, exactly. Yeah. I think that's why I've just loved non-league. I think it's, I just I've just embraced non-league better than I did in in the, in, the, in the league, really. And do you think, in terms of management, I keep coming back to questions. You have to say, no, I'm going to get, let you go. But in terms of management, are you, are you aiming football league? Or are you just yeah, yeah, you love, sense, yeah. As I said to you before, mate, I've had I've had a few. I've been linked with a few jobs this year. Um, I got down to the last two in the Maxwell job when they were in yeah. the football league. Um, I'm building myself up now with um, a good reputation within football. Um, obviously, the product has to be right, which I've got. Results bearing, 
listen, I, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm I'm going to be an unbelievable manager, but I believe I'm on the right steps at a very good club. I, I, as I'm joking about going, you know, they know I'd never leave this club for any other club other than a football league club. You know, I've told them there's only one club in the whole of this, the lower levels, I call them, step one and below, that I would like to talk to. Anyone else, just turn it down. Um, but my main goal is, let's get me licenses done now. Let's, no, I'm still going to get me a diploma in the LMA. I'm going to, I've booked on that today, hopefully, fingers crossed, and just keep learning, getting better, and keep striving to be better. Brilliant. Yeah. Genuinely appreciate your time, man, mate. Go and get your, your roof sorted out, and uh, yeah, hopefully no, catch up soon when, when Radcliffe comes to Scarborough and everything's rosy again. Hopefully... Meet up for a drink and, and catch up. Yeah, mate. we'll have a drink, mate. Yeah, definitely. Top man. Cheers, Lee. Thanks for that, mate. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the latest episode of the SN Sport Extra Time podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. For the latest local sports news, visit www.thescarboroughnews.co.uk slash sport. And don't forget to buy your copy of the Scarborough News every Thursday, featuring all the latest sports news, roundup and reaction.